Welcome to episode seven of the Work Redefined podcast, where we believe your employees are your company's most valuable asset. We are all navigating uncharted waters and need to bridge the generational gap in business. Our goal is to help leaders look at work through a new lens so they can elevate their business and recruit and retain their talent. Today, I am so excited to be interviewing Brady Nash. Brady is the CEO of B&G Team out of Fargo, North Dakota, and is someone I've continued to get to have conversations with and get to know better, and I'm consistently inspired by his vision. BNG Team is a payment processing company and in recent years has added many additional services to be able to support their clients in a more holistic way. Brady spends most of his time negotiating contracts and new partnerships, and he recently has done a lot more public speaking about entrepreneurship and the process of automating getting paid. He has worked with thousands of companies, 16 of which are in the Fortune 100. I am so excited to introduce you to Brady Nash. Brady, thank you so much for joining us today. This is so much fun to have you on our podcast. And do you mind just starting out by telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Uh, hi. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. Uh, it's I'm Brady Nash. I'm the CEO of uh, BNG Team here in Fargo, North Dakota. We are a business solutions company. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 17 years now. I dropped out of school when I was 18. Uh, kind of like one of those stories you hear, you know, people, you know, starting in their basement and, you know, grinding their way through. So for the last 17 years, that's what I've been doing. Um, we help businesses from payment processing to point of sale systems to web development uh, to insurance. And we really kind of built a whole ecosystem around solutions to help entrepreneurs grow. So anything that um, any problems that haven't been solved or solved well, we have tried to do a better job at. And that's taken us to work with customers from all 50 states, Canada, UK, Australia, um, all out of Fargo. So that's kind of been, you know, a quick um, uh, overview of where we're at today. Hmm. Well, Brady, it's amazing because I remember the first time I heard about BNG, I thought, what is that? I had never heard of BNG. And that was probably maybe five years ago or six years ago. And to look at the growth that you've had up until this point and how much your team has grown, all of the business acquisitions you've done, you have really made a splash, not only in our Fargo community, but also beyond. And so I know our community is very lucky to have you, um, but I'm really curious with that growth, as you're adding more and more people, I know that that comes with all sorts of additional, not only challenges, but also opportunities. And so tell us more when it comes to BNG's culture, what makes BNG unique and how do you really maintain that positive culture? Yeah, good question. Um, I think one of the big things that would be unique or I think that we've done a good job of establishing was our kind of the why followed by, you know, myself and my business partner and establishing our core values um, of who we are what we're about, how we operate, kind of the expectations for ourselves and our team, and really kind of the mission behind why we do what we do. You know, Simon Sinek has the big, you know, 
all his marketing and, you know, book and, and podcasts on, on the, the power of why, but even prior to that, we've always had a strong reason of why we do what we do, you know, and what started out as originally as entrepreneurs as a way to make money, eventually provide for our future families, uh, which was a strong motivator. Very early on, as you start having that success, I realized that, yeah, making money is great and it's important. We all need to do it. It makes the world go round. But I had so much more fulfillment around helping people and the why and not just our customers, which is what you think about, but was helping people that came to us, people that I liked um, in their journey of their life. When you realize how much time people spend working, they oftentimes spend more time with their work family than they do their own families. And so the impact that you can have, so being very choosy and the type of people I wanted to bring into my life on a daily basis was important. Understanding how I could invest into them that would help their personal lives in their career that also meant that then they were helping our customers. And I think that real um, purpose or, or drive and focus on you know, working with good people people that actually cared, that then really cared about our customers that really helped us build, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Really build authentic excellence and, and uh, authentic care for our customers, which means we didn't lose a lot of customers. We got a lot of referrals, which is you know strong for building a, a good business. It allowed us through the years to you know, it started off in payments, evolved into point of sale, a lot, uh, you know, evolved in do, doing web development, software development. Well, we were able to do that because we built such good relationships with our customers and people kept asking us, what else can you do for me? And so I think what was really not the plan, it's just kind of who we were of actually caring and wanting to do a good job, attracting those type of people really set us up uh, for a good foundation of success. Because any business you go into, if you can communicate well, if you can actually provide value, you can actually connect with people and then deliver that value, you're probably gonna have a good chance of success. So that's been, you know, you could pick the different industries that we're in, but whether that's insurance or payments or anything you can think of being a hairstylist to being a restaurant, it's all from the moment you engage with a customer. How do you make them feel? What are you promising that customer the experience? Do you actually deliver on it? And then when they leave, are you leaving them wanting to come back? And I, I think when you learn how to do that, almost any business you go into, it's the same method for success, being able to deliver that, how you present yourself, how you make them what you promise they're going to experience to delivering on that, and then, you know, follow through an execution. So. so if I'm kind of in summary, thinking about what you're talking about, so not only are you really selective in who you invite to join your team because you want those people on your team to be able to really serve your clients well, but it sounds like um, what you're saying in a nutshell is the better you treat your employees, the more they'll treat their customers yeah, well yeah. as yeah, as well, right? take care. Yeah, take care of your team members, happy, happy team members. If, I, if they're having a bad day, if we had people that weren't happy, that's going to reflect into how they treat our customers. That's just, it's inevitable, right? And that's why when we started thinking about who we were going to bring onto our team, and I looked at a lot of the relationships I had were my relationships early to start because I was a salesperson, right? I was the one building them. And if you came to me because you trusted me, but I was going to hand you off, it would be important to me that I handed you off to someone that I knew was going to do a good job. I wouldn't want to drop the ball, right? So what are the qualities we would want in our people? You know, that's how we came up with our core values, which I can go into, which was, you know, excellence, 
And well, what is excellence? It's not just checking a box, not just going through motions, but going above and beyond deliver. So an example of that would be if you were a customer and you called in and you had an issue, how we answer the phone, or do we sound annoyed or do we sound, hey, I'm so glad that you, you called, what's going on? Uh, being able to read your urgency, maybe it's a really big problem, you're upset, we better be able to tonality communicate with you to understand we get your urgency and we're not just slow, monotone when you've got a big problem and we move money. So when it comes to problems, money problems typically get people pretty emotional, right? Mm -hmm. And so from the moment you call to how we interact with you, how, how we let you know that your issue is important, to then how we help you solve that issue, right? Mm -hmm. Some people could say, for example, it might be a terminal issue and you could unplug that machine and plug it back in and it worked. I would say excellence might be, hey, not only how we communicated with you, letting you know, thanks for calling. Do you know what happened? If this happens again, how you could fix it without you even having to call in. Excellence might be the next day, really realizing I have a gap and I could call you back to say, hey, Kelsey, I'm just checking in. Like, mm -hmm. how are things going? Where you're like, holy cow, you actually seem like you care. Like people at the end of the day, all of us wanna feel valued. None of us wanna be a number. We want to feel like someone has our back if there's an issue. And so like excellence was someone, I didn't want someone going through motions, trying to get through the day that wanted to really help people. Then it got into integrity. Integrity is, well, not lying, but in our world, we deal with credit card numbers, bank accounts, social security numbers. At the time, outside of medical records, we touched like almost all the sensitive data. So trust is a huge deal. Like if you can't trust, if I can't trust you, you can't work here. It's a problem right? Integrity is a non-negotiable. Um, we talked about ambition. I love to speak. I love doing this. I love to inspire people. I don't want to have to go in every day and inspire someone to want to be here. Like it's fun to do once in a while, but yeah, I want someone that actually mo is self-motivated. They want to do more. They want to learn. They want to be a part of the company. They want to help people. So ambition was one. I'm like, cause it'd be too exhausting to have to inspire unmotivated people that don't have ambition. Right? So ambition, um, creativity, creativity came from almost like it's a mix of, I, I feel like creativity is almost a mix of like ambition and excellence. It's uh, not taking no as an easy way out. I don't know how to do that, so it's a no. Creativity for me is there's a problem. If you had to solve it, gun to your head, you had to solve it, how would you solve it? And maybe the solutions you come up with don't make sense and it's not cost effective. You know, trying again, can you get it there? Maybe you can't, but it's the effort of trying to figure out if you had to solve a problem, how could you do it? And, I, and, I, and again, I just feel that in, we're problem solvers, we're business solutions company, we got to solve problems, that's what we do. So that was an inherent part of our DNA that I knew was important. Um, then we talk about uh, my, probably the most unique core value to us, which some people is like, that's a weird core value, but I think it's so important. It's happy and grateful. We have it as one core value. Um, and it's my anti-asshole class. Hmm, it. it is, I don't care how smart, how talented you are. If you're a jerk, I don't want to work with you. I don't want our customers to work with you. Mm -hmm. If you were working for me, I don't want you to come in and have that person like, I don't want to see them. They're just a jerk. I want people that if you won the lottery, would be happy you won the lottery, not upset that they buy lottery tickets and they didn't win the lottery and you really didn't need the money. They could use it more. Like, I believe that's a, a peek into somebody's soul about how they view the world. Mm -hmm. It's people that if I threw a pizza party downstairs. Hey, we got pizza. We got ice cream. 
it's the person that's complaining that their favorite type of pizza wasn't there. Mm -hmm. There's a perspective that some people can always find the negative in anything. I want people that are grateful. It's not that the world's sunshine and rainbows and you know, that everything's perfect. That's not reality. That's not what I'm talking about, happy and grateful. It's genuinely, you're happy to see other people have success. You're happy when good things happen to other people. You're not bitter. Uh, you're not jealous. It's uh, you're grateful for the things we have because living in this country, in this world, even our poor support people are in the top 1% of the world. Mm -hmm. I want those people because I've realized that, you know, most people are followers inside of an organization. I'm going to make up and the point is majority say 80% of people will adapt to their environment. Meaning if they go in and it's fun and it's happy, people will be fun and it'll be happy. You have those people that can change the energy of a room. Brandy, my wife's one of them. She can walk into a room and the energy level picks up. You have a party, you want her there because she's laughing. She's self-deprecating, will make fun of herself. She's very smart, witty. She's just fun. She makes any in room more fun, you know? And there's people that can walk into a room and suck the life out of the room. Everything becomes negative. Everything's complaining. Everything's gossip. And it can tear a company from the inside out. So- one, I got to make sure those people don't slip through the cracks, which they have before. And it was unbelievable how fast we had a good culture and someone can start damaging it when they got through, right? Most people will adapt. So I'm like, if I can find some influencer, positive influencers that bring a good culture, bring good leadership, those other 80% of people adapt and follow. Well, it's interesting that you touched on that at the end, because I was going to ask, I know Again, you seem to have been very fortunate to have found a lot of really great people to work here. And on that same note, I know that you offer so many rewards, benefits, all of these different things. And you, you know, for example, I think the gym, right? You guys have a gym here. Um, and you're, you're trying to incorporate all these things that some people take advantage of, some people don't. Yeah. How do you navigate when it comes to rewarding your employees how do you navigate um, those people that maybe want something different than what you're offering? I know it's a tough situation that we're in in our world where rewards and recognition is something that people feel they deserve. But how do you yeah how do you navigate? That? Well, I think it's a problem to understand that you know people want to feel valued. Compensation is one way they do that. But I looked at the reality of psychology of people is if I give everyone a, I don't know, let's just say it was a $200 a month pay raise. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, sweet. That's really nice. But very quickly, I bet you inside of a month or two, it'd be forgotten and it gets mm-hmm. absorbed into whatever expense. It could be, I got a little bit nicer vehicle, uh, you know, payment. Um, yep. I don't know. I, I signed up for Disney and HBO max or whatever it is. It just, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And there's not that, you know, it's not that you don't give people pay raise because that's important too. And, you know, that's one form, but the reality is, is there's better ways I feel that you could also compensate people and have that mixed in. The gym was an example, this building we're in, as you know, is super unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a thought process. I looked at people put so much money into their houses, into the lake places, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs. I looked at, well, why wouldn't you do that into the office building environment where I'm not the only one that gets to benefit from it. Mm. The entire team can. So it's, it goes back to, you know, 
wanting to put action behind your words. So I've been a big believer that people matter, talk is cheap. What are you going to do about it? So when we put the gym downstairs, we put, you know, the basketball court, we put the nice lunch area. I looked at Brady. I have a business way I can finance a luxury, not just for me, for the entire team. So you have a gym. Some people have home gyms. Awesome. That's great. But they're the only ones that get to use that. We got to put all that office equipment and whoever in our entire company can utilize that. And we have tons of people that do use it. Some people don't, but the options there. So I looked at what things can I create almost like a, a community around and provide benefit to them in a cost-effective way. Um, again, just showing them that there, there's value. There's people work on the morning, afternoon, or the evening. We've offered personal training. We have a dream manager. Uh, the, the idea behind the dream manager program was we wanted again, to help people work through their lives of what's important to them. What are their goals? What are their aspirations? And by the way, you know, I don't know, we probably have a 25% adoption rate, meaning 75% like, ah, oh, no, I'm good. I don't want to talk to people or, you know, whatever. But for 25%, we've had people that have had children, have bought their first house, have gone on trips they've wanted to, have gotten out of debt. We've had, you know, learn a different language. We've had like, so just knowing that we did something, put action behind it, and it had real material impact in people's lives is rewarding. And so there's no one size fit all. Everyone's got different, you know, life situations, married, not married, kids, no kids, want to travel, don't want to travel, you know, how much they work, how much they don't. And so I've always looked at how can we have an adaptable environment to accommodate all the variety of different backgrounds, you know, Faith, no faith, you know, um, I want to work 70 hours a week. I want to work 40 and no more, you know? So it's like how you control that diversity, how we set expectations of our own core values and culture to attract the right people to make sure that we're a good fit. I love our culture. Well, I, I should, I help create it and set the standard, but we're not the right one for everyone. It doesn't mean they're bad or we're bad. It just means the way we want to operate is different. And so we want to attract the right type of people. And there's other businesses that run things differently and do it very successfully. I believe culture is clarity on how you, on your expectations of how you operate, how you communicate, how you work, how you deal with adversity and challenges, how you deal with those issues when they come up. You got to be consistent because when you're not consistent, people don't know what to expect. And that's when there's problem. You want to have a consistency. And that's where I think you start with core values and, you know, you got to be consistent with that, how you hire people, how you fire people. Um, and it starts, I can start, it starts with me, but the, as you grow, uh, and, you know, we've got up to what, 180 employees, something like that, I think across everything. Um, I've told the team, I can set the expectation, I can set the culture, but it's up to them to be the culture they want, meaning communicating, being friendly, being supportive. And so I always stress that be the culture you want to be. I'm not in all those meetings. I can't have a hundred conversations a day with every individual person. So I really press on our leaders and then, then hopefully they're pressing on the managers to be the culture you want. You want a friendlier environment. Are you friendly? You want people to get outside, outside of work. Are you arranging activities for people to get together, together outside of work? And so instead of just being problem identifiers, problem solvers, and when you can make people a part of that process, there's more buy-in. I, I realize that helps, but it's, there's no, you get to one point now you're sad. It's culture and feelings, just like a relationship. Yep. You can go into a marriage and everything is great. You're excited, 
But if you're not continually putting in the effort to let your spouse know that you love them and you care about them, and it's work, it's no different. As much as I've done, and there's been different points, you probably could have rated our employees and said, this is the best place in the world. A month later, it could be different. It's not that we did anything. It's like, oh, we just got to keep reminding people. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe, you know, they didn't like the manager responded to something. It's amazing how fast it can go from perfect to not perfect. And this happens in relationships. This is life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's trying to have some checks and balances into having a pulse, communicating, and it's a never ongoing thing. It's always moving. Well, so let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into this, Brady. So on one hand, we're saying, you know, we need to set clear expectations and we need to be consistent, but then there's also this other side of the coin, if you will, of needing one size does not fit all, right? So the approach does not fit everyone. So when it comes to communication expectations and also catering to all of these different types of people, I mean, how do you navigate being consistent while also being tailored? to the employee. Yeah. So I think, I think being consistent in how you, um, adapt is, is mm -hmm. consistent. I think clarity on that, for example, um, let's talk about work hours. We are a company that has unlimited PTO. It does not mean that people can just take off whenever they want and leave and not come back. And we just keep paying them. That's not what that means. It's, there's still a management process to PTO. Our culture is we want to accommodate a work life balance is, is the word that comes to mind, but it's not really the balance. It's the unique value of we have work that has to get done. And at the best we can make sure that that work is still getting done. For example, customer service, we got to make sure we're there when people call and email, we're doing that. But if we can accommodate you because you want to you know, leave at three o'clock because you've got kids, you want to go to a game, and maybe you've got to put those hours in later and you come earlier, we want to try to accommodate you. And that's consistent to what we can do. Certain positions have more flexibility than others. That's the way it is. Sales has more flexibility because as long as they're hitting their numbers and their goals, I don't really care if they're at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, they're not hitting their goals and numbers. Then we have an issue. Hey, what's going on? Right. And so we try our best to accommodate people where they're at. I mean, we've had people where their parents get sick and they're taking them to doctor's visits. We've had people fighting over custody of children people get cancer. I've had two people get cancer. We lost one business partner. Mm -hmm. The other one made it like it's real life stuff that everyone faces. I mean, and so I think really having a culture that we do what we can to try to support our people is the most important thing to me. And I think consistency of trying to deliver that. And by the way, it's not easy. I mean, there's a million examples you could go into and it's tough without a one-on-one -on -one conversation about how to handle a certain situation. But mm -hmm. we have tried to have the culture of that we care. We back it up. We try to be smart and logical. I hate, you know, paperwork or I hate rules for the sake of rules. I try to, what's the intent of something? The intent is we're trying to show our team that we care about them. We're trying to help our customers, give them more value than we charge them. If we screw up, we own it. We're going to make it right. We deal with technology. Stuff breaks. It just doesn't work all the time, right? So we can't guarantee there's never an issue, but we guarantee we're never going to run from the problem, you know? And so when I think about values, that's where they come from. There's unique one-off situations all the time, and you can't 
you can't have a handbook or a rule book to accommodate every situation. I think that's the exact opposite idea. This is how a simple log gets turned into 60 pages, <laughs> trying to accommodate every if then scenario that never happens mm -hmm. and without context. And so I know um, this is, I'm not a professional HR person. I'm just speaking what I <laughs> feel, you know, around it. And that's where I've battled sometimes with the HR is, you know, intent and context to situations. And I'd rather caution on that side um, than say, hey, this makes sense, but I'm sorry, on page seven, 12.2, it says this, and it doesn't really make sense here, but like, I hate that stuff. Mm -hmm. I try to put as much context around, but at our size, we can still do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in looking forward, I mean, we're in this weird world right now where some people are working in the office, some people are working from home, um, some people are doing both. Yeah. Um, how, how do we navigate yeah. that? Yeah, pros and cons, blessings and a curse. I mean, there's parts of working remote that's been awesome. I mean, there's a period like we liked it, but I also think that because we had so many relationships established beforehand, I think some people... I said this, I'm like, people forget that when they went remote, a lot of relationships were already there. Talk mm -hmm. to someone that was brand new in a job. It was a lot more challenging. It was more difficult to build those relationships. I said, if it, if it, if it stays remote, a lot of relationships and things will be affected negatively. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen some of that. And so I, there's no perfect rule in my mind. Like I said, we've always been a performance-based company. So um if they're getting their work done, you know, we try not to micromanage. We try to have rules set up so we can measure that. And I try to empower people to be successful, not get into every little detail. Um, we have some people that live locally and still work from home. Mm -hmm. We try to bring them in. Can they come in once a week to collaborate with the team? So we try to have that right balance where we can. We have some people that live in other states. And so we try to do Zoom meetings or, you know, Teams meetings where they're with their whole team and maybe we'll get send them a gift card or order them lunch and so there's a lot of little different things you try to do to bring the team in once you're you know fly everyone in and actually get to spend time together for a week is one thing you do but you're you're absolutely right i mean, some people i had people uh when we sent people home over covid i had some people so thankful we did it i had some people begging me to get back into the office because they didn't have the right setup with their kids or their family, or they just needed to be around people like for their own mental health. I had people on the opposite side saying, Oh my God, please don't make us go back. This is so great. I want to be there. So we I'm like, I really wanted to accommodate as long as they can still get the job done. Cause we have responsibilities to our customers. I wanted to accommodate people the best we could. Hmm. So, and I know every business is different. There's different reasons, but listen, even financial ins institutions now, bankers, they're people are getting to work from home. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's changing, it's changed the world. Um, forever has been changed. It'll be interesting to see how it happens going forward. I've met CEOs of successful companies that feel completely opposite about it. I've, I know one that hates at home, wants everyone in the office, wants to see what's going on, wants the collaboration, wants to feed off the energy. Other people are like, yeah, we're uh, getting rid of all the real estate. We're just going to go remote. Mm. It's interesting, you know? Um, yeah. And I think you're going to have success stories on both sides mm -hmm. and compelling points on both sides. And this is where I always go back to there's context and there's uniqueness to every person and situation. And the problem, one of the problems I feel like with society is people have one frame or perspective 
And because it made sense and lined up in their world, they think everything falls into that and that's the problem. And so for me, even though I have my beliefs about a lot of different things that I understand, other people in other, other situation, they have a different perspective because they had a different experience. Yeah. And neither one is wrong. I, I, I think perspective's a big deal. Um, you know, I think about our story in business. I could give you examples of how for 17 years we've been taken advantage of and lied to and people have strong arm or try to take advantage of us. And you're like, oh my gosh, right? I can't believe all the adversity and challenges you've gone through. And it would be true. I could give you the other perspective of our business using all facts. And you would say you are the luckiest most blessed person I've ever met and you should buy lottery tickets because you're the person that would win it. Mm -hmm. And it's, what do you choose to focus on? You guys, you know, you've heard it. It's what you choose to focus on. You will find. And so a lot, what drives me is focus on the positive side. Look at being grateful. That's where I think mm -hmm. being grateful comes from. It's not that there aren't challenges. I just, I'm so thankful for all the stuff I've gotten to do. If I found out as bad as it would suck, I was going to die tomorrow. I'd be still so thankful for all the stuff I've gotten to do to this point, the time I've gotten to spend with my family. Uh, I really tried, that's how I live my life is trying to not be scared to do things where I look at one day, none of us are getting out of here alive. I look back and said, I wasn't scared. I went for it. Where the chips land isn't really the point. It's being in that journey, who I do it with, right? So mm -hmm. that's why core values is important. I'm around people I really like, I respect, mm -hmm. I appreciate, and they make me better. I look at the impact. I'm trying to do my best job to impact community, our customers, trying to raise my kids right. And I want to be able to look back. You know, I, I always envision you're on your deathbed looking back in your life. Are you proud of it? Do you have any regrets? And if so, what? Because you can change that right now. On the path that you're living, is there anything you're not doing that you're going to look back and regret? People should take that time and reflect. Because I feel like it's like having your own time machine if you actually take the time to ask yourself these questions, you can change it right now. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that was my conversation Kelsey just had at Northern Cap School. It was talking Ooh. about um, perspective and learning to ask yourself questions because my perspective of what an ideal life will be different from yours, will be different from Beth's, you know, my assistant, from my business partner. Everyone's going to have a unique viewpoint of what would be important or valuable to them. Not enough people ask themselves those questions about what they're working towards. And if they actually achieved what they're working towards, is it actually what they want? Hmm. Is it really what you want? Imagine you actually got it. Why, and if so, why? Why is it important to you? Is it the impact? Is it the value? Like, how do you value your life? And so once you define what that goal is, then you can do the backwards math and say, am I on track or what do I need to change? So I'm living that life. So what one day, if I get a chance to reflect on my life, it's like, man, I did everything I could. I've always said that whether I died and I was worth nothing or a million dollars or a hundred million or a billion, that's not going to determine whether I view my life as successful or not. You know, it's going to be, did I operate? Was I not scared? Did I raise my kids properly to know that I love them and, you know, how to not have entitlement and how to work hard and, and be kind and loving people, right? Did I teach them how to go after whatever their own dreams are, not my dreams, society dreams, but what's important to them, you know, and uh, hopefully I inspired people and gave them perspective and improve their life. That's, that's really all I'm after. Hmm. You know, that's why we're talking right now. I'm like, hey, if I can, one person watches the thing. And we can give them a thought-provoking question that makes them reflect 
and helps them in their life, then it was, then it's worth it. So what would the question be that you'd ask yourself? I think you already said it, but I want to just. Yeah. What, what I think everyone should ask themselves yeah, is just, I think, I think you, it goes back to, I've realized that I've been a huge part of my success is understanding my why. I know what my life, what I want my life to be and what drives me. So all the challenges and adversity drives me forward. Like quitting is not an option. There's no quitting. There's no stopping because I know why I'm doing it and I'll die trying, right? Like that's just because it's worth it to me. I don't think enough people have taken the time to fully reflect upon what they're working for. And it makes it tough to get up and do hard things when you really don't understand what you're going for. You know, and that's why if you've looked at people that have achieved amazing things in their life, if you've actually read their books or studied, oftentimes it comes from a great deal of pain. It comes from traumatic events that have driven them where it's uh, this is, I'm not going to let this happen. It's I'm going to change the path of my life. It's, you know, you're going to have to kill me to get me to stop. Or there's something that happened. It could be the way they were raised, a, losing a loved one or some pain so dark, you know, people that were made fun of for being overweight and finally it snapped and they changed their entire life. They started training and run like, mm. it's crazy, but typically people, it takes a lot of stress sometimes to have massive mm. change in their life that drives them forward because the challenges you face when you have big dreams, if you don't have that strong belief of why, you just, you're just not going to do the work. It has to become a part of your DNA. And a lot of the stuff for me that's pushed me through is that belief that Brady, I've been blessed. Um, I, you know, I don't know what people believe in everyone watching this, but being as a Christian, I believe, hey, one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, Brady, I give you all of these things, even though there's nothing I can do to get to heaven, but I gave you all of this opportunity, great family, great friends, this position. What did you do with it? And I don't want it to be like, well, I sat back and had a really comfortable life. I went and sat at the beach and I hung out and like, I want to be like, you know, even though I know that price has already been paid, I did everything I could to try to help other people. I tried to inspire other people and I didn't get lazy. I didn't just rest. I really tried to do as much as I could to help other people and, you know, in his name. So, so what is your, why your personal, why do you do what you do? I know you talked about B and G. yeah yeah helping customers you know for me you know the why it's i want to i think it's that that it goes back to my faith about feeling like i have a unique set of talents and skills and god gave us everyone different talents and skills are we utilizing those you know to build his kingdom that's what i feel Mm -hmm. and so in the in the business world i realize a lot of these churches nonprofits have great causes but they don't have access to funding that's why i've always been very very philanthropic and we are we have bng give is as we're making it, we want to give back. And I realized that if I didn't need the money, then I should use my talents and skills to make it and support organizations and people that need it. As you know, like when you see, for example, could be kids even locally, but even internationally that don't have food and are starving, like knowing, right? Ignorance is bliss because you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. We support unseen when you know that there's Mm -hmm. children, my kid's age that are being captured and sold into sex trafficking. When I think about that, not ignore it, when I think about that, say, Brady, you think you can just go and sit around and watch TV and check out because you made enough? No, I can't. And so for me, the why is I should be using the position I have to make the money if I don't need it, should be giving to those places because that's the position I've been given. So I think that's why we've been successful too, is we've always been very giving. I think God's always taking care of us in spite of our 
own um, shortcomings. Um, and so that's what drives me now. You know, it's, uh, I love the game. I love business. I love business like a sport, just like playing basketball or golf. I, I grew up, at, you know, playing a lot of sports. And so for business, it's a sport, but the result is money that I can influence things I care about. So our people, okay. that's why I try to hire good people so we can take care of them, our communities, our customers, and then also, you know, various nonprofits and things that I really believe that are doing great work. And how do I help them maximize those dollars? So I, I realized a long time ago, regardless of how much money I ever made, there was no retirement. You know, it might change the amount of time of what I'm doing, but like, as long as I'm mentally, physically able, I want to use my talents and gifts to help people. And I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's hard work, but I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think embracing yeah. the challenges and some mindset of how I view challenges. I love 95, 96% of what I do. There's someone like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. But then I go back to the why. I'm like Brady, I think you can deal with uncomfortable conversations. I think you can deal with this for the outcome because what would other people do? And what do other people have to sacrifice and do for that type of revenue or money. So it's always a perspective when things get tough about I me, mean, a lot of personal conversations where I'm like, Brady, suck it up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to hear myself complain because it's ridiculous. You know, again, that's going back to that happy and grateful of everyone in here is so blessed. If you just stop for a second and you look at your mm -hmm. their position, you know, so mm -hmm. and it just changes perspective of life when yeah. you have that in your heart, I, I feel. So Absolutely. I try to stack the deck in my favor and in, in the company's favor, meaning I can put them around great people that are happy and encouraging and have ambition and excellence. What happens It everyone levels up. So that's kind of the idea is just putting great people together, putting them in an environment where they feel they don't have to watch their back, inspiring, inspiring them, giving them the resources to grow, and then getting the heck out of the way and seeing what happens. That's kind of what BNG has done for 17 years. I think we're a really good case study of what would happen. So we're not perfect, but I think that's part of the process is we never will be. And it's not a cop-out. It's a, we're always questioning and challenging. What can we do better and trying things? Some things work, some things don't make an adjustment. And that's real life. That's parenting. That's relationships. It's life. So when you understand that, you don't get so upset when something doesn't work out. I'm like, I expect it. It's like being in business and I'm complaining that you have to deal with big problems and issues. And it's kind of stupid because you realize that's why I'm in the position I'm, I'm in is to deal with big problems. Would it be happier if I was dealing with little problems? No. So I expect big problems and issues to come my way. So then I'm not getting upset and mad about it all the time because I'm like, yeah, that's part of my role bring it on. Let's figure it out. You know, it so. reminds me of today. I was meeting with before coming here, meeting with our accountant and I was complaining a little bit about how it's kind of complex. My QuickBooks right now is just a yeah. little bit messy. And, but to your point, it's like, I get to use QuickBooks because I actually am generating revenue. Like yeah. how beautiful is that? Yeah. But for me in the moment, I was just you know, complaining, yeah. what did I like, how did I mess this up? Or why do I have to deal with this? Well, yeah. I didn't get into business to not have to deal with that. Yes. Um, so that's just, that's yeah. that for me. Um, but no, I'm interested, Brady, if you were to give other leaders who are listening advice, you talk with so much passion and you talk so much about your why, um, what advice would you give other leaders to, if they're seeking and they're trying to 
you know, really figure that out, especially their talents, their purpose, their why. Um, I know, of course, from a faith standpoint, that's something that's really important. But what else? So so the talks that, that I have, and it goes back in, into a little bit of that, but I like to break everything into a math problem. So A plus B equals C. So if A, if A is where you're at, like this is, you know, being real authentic, this is where I'm at, where do you want to be? So this is where asking yourself your questions of imagine your dream life for your business or your goal, right? Of like, what do you expect to get out of your business? Come up with anything you want, mm -hmm. put it down. Now challenge it. Imagine you got it. Think about how much money you're doing. Think about the revenue. Have a realistic expectation of what's your day look like? When do you wake up in the morning? When do you go to bed? How many employees do you have? Try to give a realistic outlook of what that life actually looks like. And you, if you don't know, you might have to do some investigating and research into actually what that takes, right? Like being a doctor. Some people, I want to be a doctor. Do you know what their hours are? Well, like you should know, you should like actually figure it out because how many times have we met people that have got a college degree, they got their degree, they're going to like, this job sucks. I don't get paid that much money. I'm like, do you think you could have looked into how much you were going to get paid before you went to four or five years of college? Like, that's what I mean is I think people do stuff without actually thinking about where that's going and doing any amount of, you know, recon into the real life. Like my parents became teachers. They don't make a lot of money, but they didn't do it for the money. Mm -hmm. My dad did it because he wanted to impact kids. Mm -hmm. So he was okay with it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There isn't anyone on here that wouldn't like to make more money doing the craft, right? Yeah. But like that wasn't a requirement. But if you went into teaching and then you're upset, I don't make a hundred grand a year. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not typically what they make. I mean, I'm sure there's certain teaching positions, but like you should know that if that's important to you, why'd you do it in the first place? So I think really vetting the outcome of what you want in your life, but also that's the same thing in business. There's nothing wrong with having a business that does hundred grand a year, 50 grand a year. But there's different, there's different input that's gonna have to happen if you wanna make a, a million dollars a year, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. And you should have a realistic outlook of the time commitment, the risk that it's going to take. And so figure out what C equals, really make sure it's what you want, why, understand the why or make adjustments know where you're at. Now you've got A plus B equals C. You know what A is, you know what C is. So now you can figure out B. And then when you figure out B, can you actually do it? The commitment mm -hmm. is the time. Is it still worth it? Mm -hmm. And yes or no, I'm not here. Again, it's like, it's, it's a personal process someone needs to go through. And either then they have to adjust their input and know why they're doing it, or you better go and adjust C or else you're set up for disappointment. It's like the, the one that's really easy because I think it relates to most people. Health. I'm not saying what someone needs to look like, how important health needs to be or not be. That's not the, the purpose of this conversation. But let's just pretend you want to say, I want to be super fit. I want to have a six pack and I want to look like people in a magazine. That's like, that's important to them. Cool. But I don't really like working out. I really kind of like eating pizza and ice cream. I don't like counting cal calories and I don't like moderation. <laughs> Well, do you still want C? Because like, that's not going to line up. You're not going to be able to do this and have that. So either change your expectation or you better change your input if it's that important to you or else you're set up for disappointment and sadness and failure. Mm -hmm. Like something has to give, like these values don't ever align. Same thing in business. I think I love my life. And I think from an outside perspective, 
a lot of people, you know, in the Facebook world, because you post the positive stuff, geez, Brady, I've got a beautiful family, healthy kids. Um, I have a successful business. We, you know, won a lot of awards. But if I showed people the amount of time I work and focus, most people would say, screw that. I want nothing to do with it. And like, no, you can have the same exact thing. You just do these. They're like, no freaking way. I think the same thing happens in sports. People see an athlete. They're like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. And they play. Do you realize how hard, you know, you think about like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, just because everyone probably knows those names, right? Mm -hmm. How hard they work. Most people that would want that would have no chance of putting in the type of work. Okay. By the way, just because even if you found someone that said, I will do the same drills and I will practice that much, by the way, in, in life, there's no guarantee that you even get it just because you put in the time and the work. Okay. That's the thing around entrepreneurship. And that's a perspective sometimes around capitalism that people forget when people make a lot of money. It's like the sacrifice and the work sometimes those people went through without any guarantee it would happen. If my business went bankrupt, something happened, we lost revenue. In fact, this happened in COVID. This happened to lots of people. No one's, people might feel bad for you, but typically people aren't just writing you a check. That's the real world. And that's why, you know, people get into, you know, participation trophies and, you know, all these things. I, I get the gist. It's, you don't want a kid to feel bad, but the reality in life, there's a certain point of feeling bad. And I'm teaching my kids to deal with failure, how to deal with losing, how to deal with winning. You know, I've got five young kids. My oldest guy's 11 and she loves basketball. And I said, Sky, whether or not how far you go in basketball, I don't want to say I don't care because they do, but it's not really that important to me. I'm like, the thing with sports is it teaches you how to win and how to lose and how to deal with adversity. I'm like a ref's going to make a call, a bad call. You're going to lose a game. And I'm glad. She's like, what? I'm like, because you're going to have to do like life's the same way. A ref's going to make a bad call and you're going to win because it was in your favor. Mm -hmm. Your job is to put yourself in the best environment where a couple calls doesn't decide a game that comes with preparation. And life's the same thing. You can't control everything, but you can stack the deck in your favor. What you read, what you watch, who you hang out with. So you can start stacking the deck in your favor to improve your odds. Drunk drivers happen. Cancer happens. You can't control all of it. Mm -hmm. So bad luck and unfortunate happens to everyone. You can only control what you can do with it and how you respond. And so I'm a big believer in trying to empower people to not be a victim because as soon as you blame anyone else, it's not that there's not validity to it. Mm -hmm. It's that you remove any chance or power to make it better. So having a mindset that empowers you to do something with it is so important in life. You know, I talk with people that, you know, some people, uh, the, the classic example of the, say there's that, that, that boy that grew up without a father. And I've got know a couple of people, right? Mm -hmm. Grew up without a father. And because they grew up without a father, maybe they saw their mother in some abusive relationships and they grew up and they were verbally and physically abusive towards women. And eventually they get into trouble. It's like, why are you this way? Where's the issue? It's like, I never had a father. I don't know how to, you know, nowhere taught me how to act. And this is why I act this way and da, 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 whatever it is. There's also exact similar situations where the kid grew up without a father because he grew up without a father said, one day I'm going to be a father. And I'm going to be the best dang father ever. I'm going to be at every basketball game, every baseball game. I'm going to teach that kid how to be a father. And so they came from the same place, but how they chose to use that pain and that issue is completely different. Mm -hmm. One used it for negatively and played the victim. It's not my fault, not my responsibility. The other used it as fuel to why they were going to be so great at it. And you can find that in just about anything.
Some of the greatest people in the world came from pain, came from unfortunate circumstances. Watch Disney movies. Mm -hmm. I love, like, that's part of what drives me working with entrepreneurs is I love the risk takers. Mm -hmm. I love to inspire people, to help people that are risking it all along that way. I I love it. I love to see people going after it without any guarantee and, you know, overcoming those odds. So in life, we really try to help people understanding where they're going, making sure it's what they want. Then do they understand what it's going to take and the commitment? Because if you understand that why it'll help propel you and the bigger, the crazier the dream, it's probably going to be a bigger sacrifice or focus. So you better understand it or else change your expectation. That's okay. Listen, there's like, and that's where, you know, I've talked about there's a science to achievement. There's an art to fulfillment. A lot of people achieve things. You can go to school, you know how to study, you can get grades and they go and become a doctor or a lawyer and they're miserable because it's not what they wanted. They were just told they're really smart. They're driven, go and do these things. And so they achieve, they do it, they get it and they're miserable. They make good money, they have prestige and they're not happy. You see this in actors and celebrities with all the value, they're beautiful, they have fans, fame, and they're depressed. Now there's other reasons and people going from, you know, I understand chemical imbalances and stuff like that. So I don't want to disregard that. But the reality is, is sometimes people are achieving things, but it's not actually what they wanted. It's what family or society or other people put on them. So I really believe you can find people that are stay at home parents living in a trailer home that are so happy because they spend time with their kids and they're so grateful for what they have. Mm-hmm. And I would argue they're richer than the person that has all the money and the beauty and the fame for how they live their life. Isn't that really the main goal? Is that happiness mm-hmm. and fulfillment? And so that's why I think it's important to understand what is fulfilling for them. Mm-hmm. What do they want uniquely as an individual? Then making a plan and where are they at? And that's what they're working for, for their own reasons, not what their mom or dad, you know, wanted them to do or society. It doesn't mean that you don't take influence from loved ones. You can listen, you, but it's got to still be a personal decision. Listen to people, but it, you can't be like, well, I want to do this, but you know, I trust my dad. So I'm going to do this anyways. I don't really understand it. That's a bad idea. You're not going to learn from that. And it's also not going to be your thing. You've got to live with your life. So I'm not saying, you know, listen to your dad and maybe your dad influences you like, gosh, I really want to do that. If that's what you want, great. Mm-hmm. But don't do things that you don't agree with or you don't understand. Um, and I really believe then, you know, don't be afraid to dream up of a great, great life, but then be willing to and understand what it takes to put into it and make sure that's really what you want. Well, and this, what you just were talking about really brings it full circle because towards the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned the dream manager and how as a culture, you're, I mean, you're not only focused on making sure you're living out your why and BNG is living out its why, but also having the open door to help each and every individual at your organization develop their why and their purpose and where they're going and what they want out of their life. So I think that really just kind of tied everything up really nicely at the end there to bring that full circle and the importance of um, understanding why you do what you do and really committing to a vision and making sure that your expectations are in alignment with what you want. Um, I love all of that. That's fantastic. Um, as we close, Brady, are there any, you are super into professional development. Um, do you have any major book recommendations or podcast recommendations or any speakers that you listen to? I know you mentioned Simon Sinek. Um, yeah, any- T- Tony Robbins, I'm a big okay. fan of. Yep. Um, books, uh, 
another one I'm, I'm going to point out because I think it's the most actionable book I've ever read is Traction, mm, you yep. know, um, by Gina Wickman yep. talking about EOS. That's what changed our world. It takes, um, it's EOS is the entrepreneur operating system and it takes the chaos of what's in your mind and helps put it down in a structure that an entire team can get behind with mm -hmm. actionable steps and it actually lays it out. There's a lot of great books, but it's like theories and ideas and some gold nuggets, but this actually has a playbook and a plan mm -hmm. behind it of whatever you define are your goals and your responsibilities. It helps you get accountability and traction behind those initiatives and not just you, but an entire team getting traction behind it. So that was probably been the most impactful book from uh, like a business application yep. perspective I can think of. Awesome. Yes, I'm familiar with that book. It does have a lot of really great tangible tools um, right within the book and action items that you can take and apply directly to your business. So I would agree. Yeah. That's a really, really good one. Um, in closing, how can we support you? How can we support B&G? How can we connect with you or your team? Um, well, I think it depends on who's watching. If they're, uh, if, if you go to bngteam.com, uh, you know, there's a good overview. If there's something um, of one of our core competencies we can help with, you know, reach out to us. You know, other than that, I, I sincerely want to mean this. Um, reflection, you know, I really, I think the world is a better place when people have a clear vision of what they're going for and there's passion behind it. When people live with passion into why, I believe the world's a better place, whether you're a, a, a doctor, a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, um, people that live that way and aren't just going through motions impact the world. That energy comes out when you're, when you're operating with a life that you know you want. So hopefully if you watch this to this point, um, please do that. Take the reflection, know what you want and go after it. And if there's anything I can do to help you in that journey, reach out to me. Uh, you can go to the website or email me at brady.n at bngt.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we could probably talk for five hours on all of these things. There's so much good stuff that you shared with us today, Brady. I really appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. My pleasure.